0: Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melek HaOlam Asher Bachar Bin Ve'Ein Tovim Veratza Ve'Divrehim Hane Emarim BeEmet Baruch Adonai Haboker Batora Uv Moshe Avdo Uv Israel Amo Uvinvi A HaEmet Vazedek Biscut Mashiach Amen Well Shalom, welcome to the Haftara Get you some We are in Parsha. Behar. So, without further ado, I'm gonna hand it over to the Havivi Hasis Buzz.
1: I'm Rukashim. Like I said, we're in half tour. Uh, Behar has come from Yamahu thirty-two, six to twenty-seven, and you know it's unique because you know, and it's it's amazing being a leap year because you actually get to focus on each portion by mm. it by itself, and you know, doubling up is amazing, you know, but but sometimes you don't get to focus as much on. Uh, Torah portion as you'd like to. For real. You know, there being double portion. <laughs> so, Brook, Shem and Sleep Year. Amen. Alright, so, uh, links to this, this weekly Parsha, you know, we're from Parsha Bihar, and so this is dealing with the laws of buying and selling property, and the Haftorah, too, gives like this account of Yermahu's purchase of a field, mm. and, you know, his redeeming property, he's redeeming a brother, right, and uh, mentions the mitzvah of, of Shemitah, uh, you know, our, our, our sages teach that because the Jews failed to observe 70 Shemitah years, they were exiled to Babel for 70 years. This to actually reminds us of the, the punishment by mentioning the Babylonian armies and pending conquest of Jerusalem. Reminds us of this punishment. Uh, but according to our sages, both, both Bihar and this to actually contain parallel hints to final redemption. Ooh. And so, Bizarashim, we're going to be touching on that towards the end, and how we could be a part of that, as, as Amit, you said uh, many, many times that, that we're responsible for bringing redemption, so we're going to get into practical ways we can do that.
0: Amen. Amen. Hashem, help us.
1: Amen. All right, so we are in, like I said, Yamaihu and the setting is, is right before the conquest of Yushlam. Mm. It's about the 10th year of King uh, Sedef Yahu. And you have the Babylonian army accounts outside, uh, a camp outside the gates of Jerusalem, and they're just sieging the city. And like literally, Yirmahu, Jeremiah, he's, you know, he's the torn prophet because he has all these doom and gloom prophecies. And then you've got this other side of the camp that's, you know, siding. We talked about him before, Talked about this camp. They're siding with Egypt. They're trying to find redemption from nations. And there's this big, you know, hoorah effort. That's like, okay, we can win this. You know? We we've got this. And Yamahu, he's like, No, you don't. <laughs> <I> don't <laughs> <got> you, you. <laughs> you don't <laughs> it, it, you know, he comes out with a um at one point he count he comes out with like a, a this wooden yoke around him and he's like, This is our bondage we're gonna be taken into. We could either go we can either go nicely and accept the Shem's judgment, or this could be really, really bad. And unfortunately, you know, it became really bad because usually when people don't like uh, truth that's being told to them, they tend to, you know, uh, disregard it. In this case, they disregarded it by throwing him into prison.
0: Oh. And
1: so he was our imprisoned prophet. And this is actually where it comes, uh, like this this whole setting takes place. You have uh, Hanamel actually coming to him in prison with this offer to buy this property near to Israel.
0: Wait, so he's the prison prophet?
1: like He's the prison prophet. Like
0: Shaul, <laughs> the distinguished gentleman?
1: In a sense, yeah. <laughs> There's oh, a comparison right there. Wow. Okay. So thrown into the royal prison, and this is a setting where he received the prophecy that's that's the basis for his entire Haftorah.
0: Okay. So really
1: interesting setting.
0: Alright.
1: Alright, we get into uh, verses 6 and 7. And this is discussing says, Yomah said, Hashem's word came to me as follows to your cousin, Hanamel, the son of your uncle, Shalom, who come to you saying, buy yourself my field and Anatot, for you have the right of redemption to buy it. So kind of alluding to our, our uh, Torah portion.
0: Absolutely. Uncle buying the, helping him out.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is actually, Yomah was actually born in the town of Anatot. Which is in Benjamin's territory. Um, it was actually one of the Levite cities because, as we mentioned before, he was uh, actually was actually a Cohen, who belonged to the tribe.
0: Ooh.
1: And so his his cousin Hanama was compelled to sell his field because he was in some financial straits at the time. Yes. You know, and so according to the Torah, you know, it's a mitzvah for the closest relative to buy the field, you know, or if it was sold to a stranger, to redeem it by buying it back to ensure you know, the fields would always remain in the possession of whatever original tribe had it first. And mm-hmm. so uh, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, received the prophetic message from, from Hashem, ordering him to go to this world prison and essentially petition Yamahu to, to purchase it. And so it begs the question, who is Shalom? You know, right. this is the, the father of the guy coming to him. And who is, who is this guy? And there's an interesting, interesting Midrash about him and about his story. And he is, in a way, tied to uh, Yeshua. Really? Yes. <laughs> wow. And in fact, in fact, it's because of him that he has life.
0: Oh, this yeah. this the kid that he resurrected?
1: <laughs> and, uh, it, it, not not in the story, not in the story that we we usually associate that story with. But there's another one, and. Says, uh, un- sometime I read about What's that?
0: I was thinking of the more accounts that are not commonly known that happened. Mm-hmm. okay
1: yeah uh, yeah we'll just get into it so because okay. I was going <laughs> to Go tie into something else but ah. it says, sometime after the prophet Yeshua's death, there was a funeral in the cemetery where he was buried as the possession pa- uh, passed his grave the participants noticed troops of the Aramian enemy approaching. Uh In panic, the Jews flung the dead body into the still-open grave and escaped as fast as they could. Mm. As soon as the corpse touched Yeshua's bones, a miracle occurred. He was revived. He got up and walked home. Wow. Wow. Uh, Who was this man who married to experience the miracle of Tachiyat Hamati? (laughs) <laughs> According to one opinion, it was the Sadiq, the prophet Shalom ben Whoa. Yeah, after his revival, he fathered uh, Hanamel, who became a prophet too. Perhaps Damn. Shalom named his son Hanamel to allude to the fact that God had graciously redeemed him, the father from death. Hanano Chael.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh. Yes. Hey, so. we were hoping to start out really light this week, so like... <laughs>
1: You know, I, I think when we read something, you know, where where we're reading from, we could literally just spend, you know, hours on that section.
0: Do just I hear work. a transition? Yeah.
1: Yes, <laughs> I think I think we're in transition. Oh no no no. Oh okay. Not yet. okay. Yeah, there's there's a secret code for anyone who's listening. So oh snap. No, it's
0: fine.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, see, so he Yamahu predicted to all the Jews. Uh, what happened? Uh, who happened to be in the prison yard? And the immediate appearance of Hanamel, and so he said, "Hey, this guy's coming, and this is what's going on." And so, upon witnessing his true words, they believed in the remainder of his prophecy. Wow! And so, uh, generally, if a, if a prophet, according to the, the Ramban, a prophet makes you know a certain amount of of, uh, of good. Uh, prophecies like good things that are to come that come true, then you're generally to believe him, you know, unless he transgresses the Torah or something like that. Got you. Uh, so, there's this question, you know, because we mentioned the setting and Babylon's on the way. Yemen knows that essentially Israel is going to be swept into captivity into Babylon. And here comes this guy, you know. Old cuz here coming and saying, you know, uh, hey, you want to buy this plot of land?
0: <laughs> right.
1: And so there's this question, um, yeah, there's a mitzvah here, but why would he buy the field?
0: Unless it's got you know? a pearl a great price in it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> unless it's got a pearl a great price. But, you know, why would he buy the field? Why? <laughs> And so, it just kind of goes on to this, this question uh, that the Midrash is asking, and... Uh, oh, here lost my place here. Uh-oh. Yeah, so it's just, just kind of a that it was highly unlikely that he would ever get to see his field, much less cultivate it, um, for it to be the property of the enemies, right? Right. And... But nevertheless, he unquestionably obeyed Hashem's will. Wow. Not and, You know, it's interesting. So going back to the question, to touched on one of the answers. We'll get to more in, in a second. But why buy the field? You know, and it's not just like this is a small purchase. It was like Yamahu, your, your you know, is in prison at this time. He spent so much money to purchase this field. Yeah. And what this did, it aroused so much interest and curiosity for everybody that oh. it was like broadcasted to the entire populace of, of Ushuaia.
0: Facebook,
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that got shared by a million people. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of what happened. You know, don't quote me on the numbers, but it was it was a pretty big publicity. You know, he's like, okay, here's this guy who said we're going to exile. Now here comes his cousin, and he says, "Okay, we're uh, buy this field for me." And then he just chucks out them, all these coins. Wow. And what's going on? Is this, does he not believe what he says he believes? Right. You know, which is another way that Yermahu, you know, relates to Abraham. You know, just a little side note because Abraham unquestionably obeyed Hashem with the Akedah, but mm-hmm. you have had all these pagans looking at him saying. Okay, he's sacrificing his son, which is what he told us not to do.
0: Oh.
1: And here he is doing that. Does he not believe what he says he believes? Man. And it just goes to show the the, when Hashem tells us to do something, we we do it. And there's going to be times when people are going to be looking at us, uh, friends, enemies, family, whatever, and they're going to be like, what are you doing? Yep. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we're we're getting we're getting a, a bad appearance, you will. But there's some times that we have to take on a, a, a you know this this bad appearance in order to do the will of Hashem. That's not all cases, you know, because we're not supposed to have the appearance of evil. But it's just there, there are certain extreme cases where that must be done. Oh, Amen. You know, a little support for Yeshua who who had to take on a bad image and is taking on a bad image for Ooh. our sakes.
0: Oh, that's why he's sitting at the gates of Rome. Are you serious?
1: That's Right. He's got to do what he's got to do. Hey, and we're going to tab on that Gates of Rome thing in a little bit.
0: Oh, boy. All right. We <laughs> but
1: think. it mentions, you know, he wrote down the, the sale in the book. Um, I took a deed of purchase, which was signed. You know, and this is verse 10 and 11. and it mentions there's all these two copies of a contract. There is there's one that was really, like, sealed away. Mm-hmm. You know, one was sealed away, uh, Khasum. And it was to be used in event that someone was damaged or lost. Um, and, you know, the other was handled by the, the people. Cool. So it says in verse 12, I gave the contract to my student and assistant, Baruch bin Nera bin Chatea, uh, in the view of my uncle's son, Hanamel, in the view of my witnesses to sign the contract, in the view of all the Jews who were in the prison yard. Ah,
0: <laughs> and Purchase.
1: Yes, and so here's here's uh, Baruch was was Talmud dean. and because of Yamahu's all his doom and gloom prophecies, you know, pretty much telling all of Eretz Israel, hey, you're not you're not the best around, you know, you've got some stuff to work on. You're not (laughs) Mm. Mm. you're not the best place in the world anymore, but you could be. (laughs) <laughs> for for a low low price of the no. <laughs> Does
0: this outfit uh, make me look fat? Well, not yeah, saying yeah. it makes you look skinny. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs>
1: there's that? There's that? <laughs> but here it is. This is so. Bruce who was people were much more inclined to listen to him. Um, interestingly, after the exile, um, you have someone who came, who came back to build the temple, whose name was Ezra, uh, and who was his rabbi, it was Baruch, the oh, Talmudim of Yermiahu. So just, just a little, you know, so we see how everything kind of connects and comes back. It's, it's literally like two, two uh, Talmudim generations after Yermiahu who says the destruction of the temple and then here comes, you know, his, the, the, the grandson of his, you know, in Talmudim standard coming back to rebuild the temple who Jeremiah just wishes uh, just saw destruct, destroyed. Oh, sorry. Wow.
0: So Ezra, being the ninja that he is, Baruch must have been a ninja master. Hmm. Good night. He
1: was. He was. He was blessed. Ma- <laughs>
0: ah, I see what you, man. You really bent the yeah, knee Baruch. on that one,
1: Baruch Hashem.
0: <laughs> uh, oh! Wow! Wow! That was lit.
1: So says the Shim of Host, God of Israel, take these contracts, the deed of purchase, the contract with the signatures, and the one that publicly confirms the sale, and put them in the earthenware vessel so they may be preserved for a long time. So says the Shim of Hosts, the God of Israel, do not despair because the Kasthim uh, the are about to conquer the land. The time will yet come when Jews will buy houses, fields, and vineyards in this land. Oh, wow. And so Yamahu explained to Baruch Ben Nera that the purchase of this field was a symbolic act for um, sort of pretending the Jews would someday again purchase fields in Israel. Oh, my. So Lord. it's like, you know, that song, One Day by Yahoo.
0: Yeah. And this <laughs> is why Mashiach was resurrected, because one day we're all going to experience that.
1: Yes, the hope of things to come. Oh,
0: man.
1: You know? And so that's what it is. it is. It's hope in the darkest hour.
0: Mm,
1: mm, mm. Uh, and, and that's what's going on here that's really why he's saying the sage he's like look I'm, I threw all my all my money to purchase this field because you know like the, you said the, the pearl of great price is there right yeah the, the destined spot for you know it's our homeland
0: man that's beautiful
1: and so you know why would Hashem uh, sorry why would Yamahu beg Hashem for interpretation after he just explained to a student the purchase of the field was a symbolic act of the future. Why? And so there's a few reasons Giving One was he desperately wished to hear Hashem confirm it in these bitter hours of the Jewish people's history. Uh, two, it was not clear whether he was referring to an imminent or more distant future. Like, is it now? Is it later? You know, in your mercy, you're going to redeem us now, or we have to wait for it. Three, why would it be necessary for Jews to purchase the field after the Babylonian exile? This is what he's wondering. You know, he's like, surely, you know, we're going to die. We're going to get lost. We're going to get assimilated in exile. So, you know, why would it be necessary for anyone to make purchases like this? Man. And Hashem reassured him, he says, no, there's going to be a lot coming back. Wow. There's there's going to be a regathering of, of our people Wow. back here. So, you know, purchase that field to inspire other people to do as well. Uh, the fourth was. Yamahu only ex- explained the purpose of buying the field after he heard Hashem's answer. So this is another opinion. Um, okay. So, you know, and, and, the, and it's not just a little side note that events are not recorded in chronological order. And so Yamahu's words were only written earlier to complete the topic. Mm. So different ideas about what's going on. Uh, and so...
0: Good old time. You now we
1: get... <laughs> <laughs> yes, so it's like sixteen and seventeen. After having given the contract, broke benra. I pray to Hashem as follows: O Hashem Elokim, let me clearly understand the meaning of this purchase. Behold, you made the heavens and the earth with your great strength and outstretched arm. Therefore, surely nothing is concealed from you, or nothing is beyond your power. And you know, it's just just a little idea, you know, um, thought to keep in mind that nothing's concealed from Hashem, and all the deeds are known to him. Even even all our thoughts. Wow. And so, you know, this is what, what David says when he talks to Shlomo. You know, he he, he understands the inclination, the inclination of every thought. And so we, we must refrain from thinking forbidden thoughts and dwelling on forbidden images and, and things of this nature. Amen. Uh, going into uh, 32.18, there's a little interesting thing that we, we might have heard before. It says, uh, who does kindness to a thousand generations and repays the sin of fathers followers to the children? After them, they fall in their parents' evil ways. The great and mighty God, whose name is the God of hosts. Mm. And then it says, Ha'el, Hagado, Ha'gibor.
0: Yep. Just right there.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> and this is actually taken from Debrim 1017. Ooh, you know, wow. and, you know, if you, what, what's the, the next word in that? Usually we might remember, this might sound very familiar, and that's uh, Bahanurah. And, of course, we say this in our daily shemone as a prayer, but here it's missing something. Yes, here it's missing something. And it's missing hanora mm. And so, you know, Moshe praised God with these three attributes, Hagadol, the great one for creating the universe, Haggabor, and hanora which is a strong, strong and fearsome one. Because they witnessed, like, the Egypt falling, slaying of the giants, uh, all these miracles in the wilderness. And so he was, he was the strong and fearful one. Hagibor Bahanara. Um, but Yamahu, he omitted the attribute of Hanara, which is the fearsome one. It's like, why? Because he didn't want to express words insincerely, insincere praise. Um, you know, he just, you know, he was, he was fearsome. You know, he, he, he witnessed the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. And so he felt like he couldn't do that honestly. We got another example of this, and that's Daniel, who, you know, omitted um, the attribute HaGebor, the strong one, right? Yep. And so he felt he might lack sincerity since, you know, B'nai Israel were exiled in Babel at that time. So, you know, Daniel, this would be after Yamahu, they're actually in the Babylonian exile. There's Daniel in there. Um, and so he omitted this, this prayer. Um, and so but Daniel praised God as Hanara because he, he didn't personally witness the fearful desecration of God's name when the Baham be- Mekdash was being destroyed
0: Oh, so Daniel was born after the temple was
1: destroyed-hmm oh, wow. yeah or at least he didn't you know personally witness it which means we'd, he'd have oh, to yeah. be born after it pretty much pretty much okay okay um So, but, you know, in our prayers, you know, the men of a great great assembly came together and they declared, hey, when we're praying, we're going to list all of them. Why? Because God is HaGabor, the strong one for controlling his anger and allowing wicked people to afflict the Jews. Like a father who controls himself, allows his son to undergo a painful operation or to save his health. He is also Hanara, the fearful one for continually performing the miracle of preserving the people, a sheep among 70 wolves. So hence, the men of the Great Assembly ordained that we are to use all three attributes in our daily prayers. Wow. Amen. I so they're definitely, because all, you know, the men of the Great Assembly were men who definitely wanted to praise God to the fullest extent because they understood that everything was, was from him and everything was good. Yeah. That is so, it Amen. Verse 19 mentions Uh, Hashem, you are great in counsel, mighty indeed, for you are able to carry out all your plans, your eyes are upon all the ways of man to give each according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And so this, we learned a a fundamental principle from the Torah from this verse, which is why we mention it now, and that is, uh, there is individual reward and punishment for everything we do. And so, you know, what does this mean? The fruit of our deeds? And it mentions, you know, the implication here is that if a person inadvertently did something harmful effect, he is responsible and incurs punishment no matter how innocent his intention at the time of his act. Wow. And so an innocent deed that, that had evil results, <clears throat> you know, this is what it is. And so we see these examples. There's one where Gideon, you know, he, he builds this golden aphod, Um, But later on down the road, you know, Israel decides to worship. This will be the time to show team of the the Judges. Like way way before Haftorah. Yeah. But and so he's 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 punished for this whole idea of you know not taking in consideration the the fruits of what would become of something. And so this is why we you know one of the things we read during this period up to Shavuot is Pirkei It says, "Who is wise? He who sees the outcome of his actions." Yeah. You know, so we got to be you know thinking of of the future as well. Yeah. Alright, uh, we got a time for a story time.
0: Story time. Come
1: on. Okay, this one's called Use an Error. Oh! Uh. Uh, no, it's funny. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. wow. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, there's, this, there's this backstory uh, to this. Is the, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I feel uh, like
0: I just prophesied. Uh, That's hilarious. <laughs>
1: No, you actually gave me the, the idea to this title earlier. I was like, man, I don't know what to call this one. You know, I was going to call it something bland and cliche, but I was like, hey, that's a good one. I'll oh, use that. That's,
0: <laughs> something. that's awesome. That's right. Okay. Title it. Good to
1: say. But this is the turn in of time of, of, the, of the Tim, Tim martyrs. Uh, the Roman Senate's like 10 of the greatest sages of death on different occasions. One of those was Rav Hanina. And. You know, the judges asked him why he studied Torah and you know, like a boss he says, because I was commanded to do so by Hashem. Ooh. Um the Romans didn't like that. You know. <laughs> and so what he decided I to
0: do why
1: <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's you know Yeah. This thing that, you know, one God isn't good for business, you know? Yeah. Or the whole idea that the one God isn't Caesar. Oh, you know, just on out there. It's not... Yeah, that not work. You know, or the Pope, you know. But no. Oh! <laughs> you know. Or an ego at that, no. Good, no. But, you know, he would... So, what they declared, he would be burned to the stake, his wife would be killed by a sword, and his daughter would be confined to a house of ill reproof, which is essentially, you know, a brothel. Yeah. Um, wow. And so... It, it lists all these reasons why this happening, since uh, Rabbi Hanina, you know, he, he wasn't being very intentional with some of his actions, and these were, like, the things they did were very, very minor sins, but essentially, uh, I'm going to sum up this part because I want to go to the main section of the story time, but Rabbi Hanina wasn't being intentional with his actions, and and his wife didn't protest him, and Rabbi Hanina's daughter, how did she air? It mentions that You know, she passed on the Roman nobles and remarked, look how gracefully this girl walks. Thereafter, she could care to walk even more elegantly, thereby violating the code of sanut, modest conduct demanded of Jewish girls. And so, you know, it wasn't like she she was walking out there, you know, with arms uncovered, legs uncovered, anything like that. It was just, you know, she just allowed that to feed her ego and she started doing more, you know. And so all these people were, were punished very, very harshly
0: for little with things.
1: this. Yes. Uh, Say la. <laughs> but yep. mentions this. Uh, says, this would be our story time. All right. Says, this family was very righteous. It belonged to the category of Sadaqim, who God applies a more exacting standard. All of them acknowledge the righteousness of God's decree. Rav Chenina exclaimed, Endeavoring 32, 4, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. Rav Chenina's wife applied herself to the later part of the above verse, and God, a God of faithfulness and without injustice. He is righteous and just, implying faithful in punishing my husband with death and without injustice for implying that the sentence to me as well, for I should have stopped him. Rav Khinina's daughter expressed herself with the words from Yerah, 3219, which is our half Torah. Great of counsel and mighty of planning, your eyes are open to all the ways of human beings, implying Hashem is great of counsel for taking the lies of the martyrs, including my father, for he has profound reasons for it. He is mighty in planning my brother's death, for she too deserved it. Your eyes are open upon the ways of human beings. Hashem watches even the kind of steps a person takes. Of which I'm specifically guilty, Mm. and so it mentions Hanina, Rab Hanina's wife were executed, and a daughter was placed in a brothel. Man, and the highlight of there is all these people—they messed up. Even it was just a little bit, but they acknowledged that they were wrong. They acknowledged that they were wrong, and Hashem was right. What was doing to them was 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 just, and what they did was injustice in the, Shims, in the Shims world, right? Yeah. And so this is what the fruits of labor has brought because, you know, you have this idea that um, uh, literally, you know, uh, a husband and wife should become one, right? And how do they do that? Through their children. It really has the features of both of them. And so through their acknowledgement of of their their sin, through the knowledge of that and, and actually – singing Hashem's praise as they're going to their their destinates literally their image is is redeemed and this is how their image being their their daughter you know well so story time
0: all right need the jingle again
1: <sighs> oh sure yeah
0: story time come on
1: his brother-in-law Rav Meir, said let me try to rescue her if she is pure of sin Hashem will perform miracles to test the girl Rav disguised himself as a foreign horseman and approached her ostensibly for sinful purposes. However, the girl kept suggesting he should try the other women, giving various excuses, concluding that she had consistently acted this way. Rav was convinced that God would assist him in liberating her. He filled a purse with dinar coins and approached the warden. Please offer half this money to the government officials and ask them to release this girl, he petitioned. The other half you may keep. The warden was agreeable, but the fear that the officials would later regret what they had done and vent their anger on him troubled him. I worry, he said to Rav Mer, that when they will use up the money, they will go after me. What am I supposed to do then? If this should come about, you will be saved by miracle, Rav Mer assured him. Just other words, God of Mir, answer me, and you will be saved. He is a powerful God and will certainly help you because you rescued Rav Khanina's daughter from sin. The guard was skeptical, so Rav told him, let me demonstrate to you the effectiveness of this formula. Order these wild dogs to attack me. The warden obeyed. As soon as he removed their chains, the ferocious guard dogs went directly at Rav snarling menacingly. God spoke, uh, God of of Mir, answer me, Rav explained. As if on cue, the dogs slunk away like harmless puppies. Mm -hmm. The guard was convinced he bribed the appropriate officials and Rav daughter disappeared from a tourist establishment. It turned out that the girl's absence came to the authorities' attention. The officer blamed it on the guard, and the government sentenced him to death by hanging. The guard remembered Rav Meir's formula as the executioner was about to hoist him up. He proclaimed in a loud voice, "God of Meir, answer me!" Suddenly, the executioner lost his strength. He was unable to hurt the guard. And the merit of Rav Meir, and having accept and having helped Rav Hanina's daughter, the guard came to no harm. However, the government officials demanded of him an explanation. Pressured in a minute the truth, the warder related the entire story. Thereupon, the officials declared Rob Nair to be a dangerous criminal and put him on their wanted list. His image placed at the gate of Rome for identification. The persecutions reached such intensity that Rob was act was eventually forced to flee Babel. Goodness. <laughs> so, this is a little, little story <laughs> time here. And just, you know, I highlight like the fact that, that what, what brought her redemption, you know, was the fact of this admits minutes that I'm wrong. And so many times, like Hashem will say, we'll just admit that we're wrong. You know, and this this is what brings a redemption. It's acknowledging that that we're not always right. And even if our mistake is this minute little mistake, we need to, you know, gratefully accept the punishment for it and, and you know, and sing Hashem's praises. Yes. You know, and, and from that, there's, there's this redemption that takes place and whatever aspect it will bring to her life. But, you know, a little side note, this is this is Rav Meir, you know, pretty pretty awesome character. It would be saying an understatement. Um, and Hanina was also, um, these were both sages, you know, people who have many dialogues within the Talmud. So just, it's uh, a support for the oral law, a case for the oral law as well. Wow. Just this idea, like this, is the quality of men who were discussing, discussing like the the how how the oral law and how to put it in practice and different aspects of it, and so you know, just knowing the quality of these men gives the Talmud that much more validity as something to be you know read and and studied and followed.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, verse 20, we have a, a reminder, it's like the Exodus-Egypt recall, like he's recalling Exodus and the signs and the wonders. Uh, a lot of times you see the prophets, they go back, and they remind them of their forefathers, they remind them of the Exodus, where it all stemmed from. And we yes. have to do this on a personal level by, by looking at our source, looking at the source of, of like where, where our problems went wrong. Like, what was what, what the source, what is the root of our, our issue, and let's, let's go from there. Uh, uh, 23, 32, 23. They, the Jews, came and inherited it, but they did not listen to your voice and didn't follow your Torah. They did not keep all that you commanded them, them to do, therefore you made all this evil happen to them. And so it's interesting because the word Torah is written Torot in the plural. It's really Uv Torah, uh, tora techa. Mm. Right? And hinting at the two Torahs written in Oro Torah. But it's pronounced Torah. If you just read it, you know, it's read, it's read aloud as Torah in the singular. And this is hinting that the two Torahs are inseparable and they're for one. quotes to Midrash.
0: Wow. Like the Mashiach. And so,
1: yes. Let's just elucidate that point real quick. Like the Mashiach. Because we, we, we talked about this in the, the Torah and that's being Mashiach and how they're one. There's two of them, but they're really one. Yeah. You know, and th- that idea, all that idea, the whole idea is hidden within one Hebrew word. What you got? In fact, it's hidden in one Hebrew letter.
0: The bet? It's the noon. The noon.
1: It's hidden in the noon because it says, it says if you, if in written form, it looks like two Torahs. But in, when you're saying it aloud, it, it, it sounds like one Torah. And so noon, you say it aloud, it sounds like one Torah, right? Spoken, it's noon. It's one noon. But if you write out noon, it's there's two noons in it. The first noon, oh. there's the Vav, and there's the last noon.
0: <coughs> and remember, you know, Vav represents the two Mashiachs, because it's Vav Aleks.
1: Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, because uh, just to highlight that, because the word Vatachrei um, uh, which is you know, where he's saying he's, he summoned them. It's written with Aleph to, to hint at Hashem. This is, this is the same, same verse, just a little further down. So just to highlight you know, the two vowels with the Aleph in the middle. Oh. But you look at the word noon, right? It is literally the 14th letter, which is the same gematria as David. Right, And yep. so this is synonymous with the Mashiach. And then you look at the Gemachia of noon, and this is 50, we're on Shavuot right now, so the 50th day is the giving of the Torah. Right. Right, and so, you know, and there's also the, the, the 50 gates of, of being of understanding, which is going to be revealed with the, the full Torah and the Mashiach. Right? right. Uh, and so both these ideas, hidden within the letter, letter noon, uh, and also noon is... If you read a lot of uh, rabbinic literature, it hints at Yunun, which is the name of Mashiach.
0: Oh, the glory and Nun Messiah was also a great-grandson of Yosef.
1: Oh, really? So Yunun? He,
0: he is the father of Yeshua, or Yehoshua. So oh. literally, Nun is Ben-Yosef.
1: Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. <laughs> Isn't in the genealogies? That's the genealogy. Oh, that's, that's why it's called it Yeshua Ben-Nun. Wow, man, <laughs> that's incredible! Thank you so much for that elucidation. That's that's amazing. Like so you know, just while we're here, you know, also, <laughs> <laughs> David, how does David relate relate to Shavuot? Since we're talking about, it, relates to both of them
0: how? because
1: he he died on Shavuot.
0: Ooh. He
1: he he died um, like on on a Shabbat. Right, but I was heard that he was on born
0: on Shava Oat, maybe both. Well, I, yeah, I was just trying to. Uh, oh, I got you. I got you. Tag, but yes, I got you. He born oh, and died on the same day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that say about David? Like, born on Shava Oat, died on Shabbat, Oat. <laughs> Man. That's ridiculous.
1: And, yeah, you you have this this whole idea everywhere, though. You know, like Shavuot is the giving of the Torah, and then it's talking about man, the Mashiach, David. And so you have this idea elucidated throughout that, that man, this whole idea of man being the Torah and that being the Mashiach and, you know, him dying, you know, yep. that that's throughout Scripture. So it's in this word, Yanun, we highlight with David's life. It's also in Bamnibar. According to Baal Shem Toh, it says this is the Torah man, oh, right. And then it yeah. goes on to say who dies in his tent. So this whole idea of the Torah being manifested, or the, the Torah being manifested in the shape of like in the form of a man, hints at death for the purpose of, uh, for purpose of being being revived. And
0: this human y- body is called a tent.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> Which makes sense because Hashem breathed into the nostrils of Adam. Right? Yep. And so literally part of part of a shim has a has, has dwelling place in man. And so you look at the word Adam, you know, in, in of itself, we highlighted this before, you know, about you know, but you can take into two parts. You have Aleph and then Dalit, which is, you know, not necessarily a word of it in itself we're looking at, but Dalit is four, Aleph is one, and this would be the four corners of the world plus the Aleph, which is a shim. Right? Together, it's like, how does Shim make himself known through the four corners of the world through his Torah? What the five know, books man? of Moses. What's no. that?
0: I was, saying, I was saying that's the mim.
1: Yes. And that's the second part. So you have Aleph Dalit, Adam, looking at the word for Adam. Yep. Aleph Dalit is of the five books of Moses. And then you have the, the middle and last part, you know, the Dalit mim, which is dom, which is blood. blood. So this is the blood of the Torah, hinted at in the word for man, the blood of the Torah. And this is not just any word for man; it's actually the most elevated state of man. Because man could be Enosh, it could be many other words. Um, but yeah, also, if you look at the word, uh, the first part aleph dalet backwards, it's uh, die. This is an Aramaic word that's used in Daniel, and it's also remnants of the Hebrew word for zot or zay, which, as mm-hmm. you zot refers to the Torah. Says, "With this, Aaron shall enter the holy of holies with the Torah." And Zay, Zion, hey, you know, Zion can be switched with a, a, a sin, which would be say, which would be lamb. And so just in the word for man, you have this idea of the bloody Torah, the, the lamb who is slain, everything. And so just to kind of just step back and elucidate this whole idea of the, the Torah being manifest in the shape of a man who's dying on account for who? The 40, which is like the leaders, uh, sorry, the, the, the mount in a mikvah. That rejuvenates us, rebirths us. That's right. You know, so just kind of so, wanted to highlight that aspect.
0: So put that with the Agarit to Corinth, the second one. So second Corinthians chapter five, verse one, which says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in Hashemim not built by human hands. So, literally, our body is just like the earthly and heavenly temple. So, our body right now is likened to a mishkan. It's a temporary dwelling place. It's a tabernacle. But we're going to get our eternal body, which is likened to the the final temple that's going to come from Hashem. That's our resurrected body. So, that's the distinguished gentleman. That's how he throws down. Mm.
1: Uh, he's definitely got that sourced out through the other rabbis, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's amazing, amazing. Uh, closing closing out in this, this half Torah, we have uh, 24, 25, 26, and it's uh, kind of closing out this idea of Yamahu. You know, he, he wished to hear the interpretation confirmed by Shem to derive comfort and assurance of, of what was going on what he had planned perhaps his prayers also contained this veil of last minute appeal to Hashem for great mercy and so Hashem actually replies you know just as I brought all this great evil upon the people so will I bring upon them all the good I hereby promise and so it goes into this idea you know if, you, if you're reading through this half at some point you might have seen that Chanamel uh, was referenced as Ben Doed like he's his cousin, right? Right. Like the son, the son of my dod, which is uncle. But now he's like he's referenced as he later gets referenced as dod, his uncle. Mm. So it's like, what's the significance of these terms? And the midrash actually explains this and expounds on this idea, um, in in the verses of of our parsha Bahar, bahar, which deal with the mitzvah of redeeming a Jew who is sold as a slave to a non-Jew, and this mitzvah alludes the mitzvah of redeeming a Jew who was sold as a slave to a non-Jew alludes to the ultimate redemption of the entire Jewish people. Oh. And so, thereto it states, either his dode or his bin dote shall redeem him, Vayikra 2548, and, and you have this alternative meaning of dode, according to the Midrash, says uh, that, that dode is friend, but on a more profound level, the dode is known other than the Almighty. What? And the bin dod, yes, the bin is Mashiach. And generally, you, you spell-dod the same way as you spell-david.
0: Hussees, like there's this thing where dalek. you, like, warn people before you're going to use new weapons. <laughs> Just... So- But well, it's cool. I got another suit. That's fine. Keep going.
1: Okay. okay. We're, we can come back to this idea. No. <laughs> okay. But can I touch back on Yamahu and then we're gonna go on this another idea? All right. Uh, but so Yamahu thus received a message concerning ben Israel's ultimate redemption before they were led into their first exile, and so Yamahu, this is like everything for him, right? Oh my word! Because he he was. What do you got? What do you got? You sound excited?
0: Just the end out. from the beginning. Like Hashem allowed <laughs> yes. his mind to be transmitted. You know, like we have the mind of Hashem, the mind of Mashiach. And we know we are given a picture of the end from the beginning. And the first shall be last. The last shall be first. Mm-hmm. All that.
1: Man. Okay. You know, it's just, you know, like Mashiach says, you know, I'll tell you now, if should you choose accept that the kingdom of God is inside of you. Right.
0: Yeah, because it will be.
1: Right, because you know it's about it's about having. We talked about this idea of remembrance, and you're really bringing something that's known from the past in the forefront in the future of your mind, and you're living in that moment when that's the act of remembrance. You're living in the the the, visualizing the future. It's almost like a, a state of prophecy. Now, no one's a prophet, but. You know, this is the way we we can attach ourselves to the vision of Hashem and where He wants us to be led.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: But this is just on a, on a personal note for Yamahu uh, since the half towards we kind of focus on the prophets here a little bit, <clears throat> and mentions that like well, he was really the one who was saying all this destruction about Israel and Beheimikdash, and you know, no one liked him. He was rejected, and so this was a huge comfort to him. And Hashem says, you know, it's proper that you should be the one to perform a concrete act confirming the future redemption of B'nai Israel. Mm. And so, thus, Hashem showed Yamahu that he had prepared the antidote before the disease. Yes, wow. And so, before they were led in exile, the seed of final redemption had already been sown. (sighs) And so, this is what it says, just assure us the heavenly plan of regions that our nation in every dark and bitter situation and likewise in our own individual lives, you know, that there is this kernel of comfort and healing that's always planted by Shem, even before he ministers the punishment. And so, you know, that's why he he gives us the strength to endure. He gives us, he plants this little seed of of healing and antidote for us. I mean, but you know, Going back to this idea of it says, you know, the mitzvah of redeeming a Jew who was sold as a slave to a non Jew allude to the ultimate redemption of the entire Jewish people. You mentioned before this idea, you know, about Mashiach at the gates of Rome banding, bandaging his wounds. Ken. Right.
0: Nachon.
1: And so So yes, yeah, so when Mashiach um when Mashiach is redeemed, then he will redeem us. And so, so how do we do this? You know, it says the mitzvah of redeeming a Jew who was sold as a slave to a non-Jew. He is the Jew who sold to the slave of the non-Jews at the gates of Rome. But there's also a more, I guess, personal introspective level to it. And that is, you know, our, our, our Jewish thought and our non-Jewish thought. And our, 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 our Jewish thought is meant to, you know, it's meant to redeem people. It's meant to be a light to the world. And our, our non-Jewish thought tends to, you know, be destructive. And so I kind of want to get this down to like a, a personal note. It's like, uh, you know, we, we mentioned in order to, in order to redeem Mashiach, we have to redeem our image of each other. And why he's, he's, he says this, you know, how, how do we redeem Messiah from the gates of Rome? This is our question. How do we do that? And the answer is that we redeem, if we want to redeem his image, then we've got to redeem the image that we hold of our brothers because we're in this exile because of baseless hatred. Mm. And so this is actually stated by is actually hinted by Mashiach in his words, you know, when he's talking about you know, like we, we are, you know, you know, the single gentleman says, we are the body of Messiah, right? right. So if we're bringing the, the body into its right focus and moving in unity, right, walking in unity, observing the halacha together, observing the Torah together, then we're, we're redeeming the Mashiach. And also another aspect that says, you know, w- when have we clothed you, when have we given you water to drink, food to eat, You know, he says, What you've done for one of these, one of the least of these, you've done for me. Which means, if we want to redeem Mashiach from the gates of Rome, we have to redeem, we want to redeem his image. We've got to redeem the image that we hold of our brothers and sisters. Wow. And so, we're going to kind of elucidate this idea a little bit.
0: All right, D. Work it out. Work it out.
1: Okay. So. this concept you know if we are if we are the body Messiah and if if we are you know if what we what we do to others is what we do to him and he mentions it a good note but it's the same thing for a bad note right mm-hmm. if we're if we're over here thinking you know bad, bad thoughts about people saying bad things about people or you know uh, you know hurting someone some way looking down in some way, then we're not just doing that to them. We're doing that to the Messiah. Wow. If, if people are a part of him, you know, if you're looking down on someone who's made his image, you're looking down on him. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, and the more, more we do, the more we stay connected with him, to him, then the, the, the more uh we're gonna re- redeem people's image to us and 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 so forth
0: uh, man what's that I hear baseless love what what
1: baseless love mm.
0: Hakadosh brotherku may you cause a waterfall of baseless love to fall on us all I mean amen.
1: Oh, man. So it's like, you know, we we wonder why Messiah has all these wounds,
0: you oh, know, look up on him. We've pierced.
1: Yes. Look at look at all, all, all the things we've we've done to people, you know, and that's that's what we're doing to him. And so we really want to bring the redemption. We really want to, to, to heal him. We got to We got to be willing to heal other people who are part of him. Mm. You know, more wounds were damaged, you know. Sometimes we want to, you know, scream out why, why, uh, why do we have all these problems? Why is this, why are all these, do I have all the problems in different relationships? Why do I have, uh, you know, why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? Why is salvation not coming to my house? You know, and it's because a lot of times, you know, like Yamaha's people, like we have to acknowledge that we've done wrong, you know? You know, why is salvation not coming to our house? Well, maybe because we've literally m- beaten it to a bloody, traumatized pulp with our actions. Wow.
0: That happened so, to Shaul. <laughs> he got left outside a city gate like that.
1: Oh, my goodness. So, it's like, how, how, do, we, how do we do this? Because okay. we, we actually had the opportunity to heal this idea and, and heal our view of other people. Because ultimately, if we, if we treat people bad in any way, it's because there's an underlying aspect to an underlying thought. Ooh. And so, this actually comes from the, the holiday of Lagba Omer.
0: Oh, wow. This is beautiful. I love it.
1: So, how do we... Uh, how, how do we heal each other to heal Messiah. How do we stop the stop it at its root? You know, and it really comes down to what what Messiah says is is to love another as you love yourself. And so like okay that's great. I've heard that a million times, but we're gonna get into practically how we do that. All right. And you know part of part of loving <clears throat> someone as you love yourself is seeing yourself in the other person. Hmm. And you know, it's, it's interesting because it said we're going to Lagba Omer, and you know, this little history of it is kind of a, a time of, of mourning because there's 24,000 of Rabbi Akiva's Talmudim who were, uh, who were like brought brought to death because of they didn't respect one another. All right? So, this is a brief summary, we're getting into the essence of Lagba Omer in a second. However, there was one of his Talmudim who, who learned to understand uh, what it meant to, to love, love his fellow Jew as himself.
0: Okay.
1: And so like, this is one of the aspects of Lagba Omer. Lagba Omer is the literally 33rd day Lamed Gimel of the Omer. And this is the anniversary of, of the deaths of Rabbi De Kiva's, Rabbi Kiva's Kalmadim. And also uh, Rabbi, um, Shemba Boe the author of the Zohar, it's also his passing as well. Um, but a lot of his mentions that a lot of his, his teachings, a lot of his, his teachings and the way he lived and stuff like that, actually made a tikkun for you know the the sin, the division, and death of of the other twenty four thousand students.
0: Come on.
1: And so, oh, how are, how man. did he achieve this? How did he achieve this? Is a question.
0: Mm.
1: And so we we want to know, simply like how you know how do we have this proper synthesis of of love and truth that will make the, like they'll make their their love our love uh, true and our truth loving. Wow. You know, how do, how do we achieve this? And this is through the story of Rabbi Hashemim Bar Yochai. So, going into kind of how, how he made the transition. Because ultimately, if, if we are, you know, having a negative influence, uh, image of anybody, then it's, it's because we think that we're right and they're wrong without any understanding between each other. Yeah. So, going to our little story time here.
0: Uh, story time. Come on.
1: So, backstory: Rubbish, um, Shemba Yokai, and his son are dwelling in a cave to escape Roman persecution, and. Let's go through here. Okay. They dwelled secluded in the cave for 12 years. Then one day Eliyahu the prophet came and stood at the mouth of the cave, and he proclaimed, Who will inform the son of Yochai that the Caesar has died and that the decree has been annulled? Rabbi Shemuel Yochai and his son heard this, and they emerged from the cave. As they ventured back into civilization, they saw some people who were plowing a field and sowing crops there. Angered by this, Rabbi Shemuel Yochai declared, These people are forsaking the pursuit of life of the world to come and occupying themselves instead with the the concerns of transitory life. And thereafter, everywhere, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son would cast their gaze. The object of the vision would immediately be incinerated. Finally, a heavenly voice rang out and proclaimed to them, have you emerged from seclusion in order to destroy my world? Return to your cave. So the two went and returned to the cave and dwelled there another 12 months, a full year in all. At that point, they said to themselves, the sentence of evildoers in Gehinnom endures for no more than 12 months. Perhaps our sentence has expired by now as well. A heavenly voice rang out and proclaimed, Emerge from your cave. The Gemara recounts their second return to civilization. They emerged from the cave and again encountered people seeking their livelihood through ordinary means. This time, though, everywhere, Rabbi Eliezer would destroy something with his fiery gaze, and Rabbi Shimon, his father, would heal it. Presently... Rabbi Shimon said to Rabbi Eliezer, My son, the world has enough total devotees of Torah, study, and you and me alone. We need not hold others to our standard of devotion and diligence. The Gemara continues, As night began to fall, late Friday afternoon, Rabbi Shimon and his son saw a certain old man who was clutching two bundles of myrtles and was running home with them as twilight descended. They said to him, These myrtle bundles, for what do you need them? He answered them, They are in honor of the Sabbath. Rabbi Shimon and his son questioned, but could you not have sufficed with just one bundle? He answered them, one is for Zikor and one is for Shemur. Hearing this, Rabbi Shimon said to his son, look how cherished the mitzvahs are the Jewish people. Each nuance of the law they celebrate separately. And they were appeased.
0: Wow.
1: So just to kind of highlight some (laughs) time, highlight some of this, this information, um, of what's going on there. You know, they're studying the cave. They were like just learning Torah. They they, they went outside and they, they saw something that that rubbed them the wrong way. You know, they saw something that they didn't agree with. And, you know, this happens a lot, a lot less, like in, in just day-to-day life. Every time we see something we, we don't agree with, the tendency of, of most people is to like burn it down to sum up that entire existence that entire person thing whatever as as what it is and it's just to burn it down their gaze and that's when they they came out of the cave they saw it as as for for what their perception was and they decided to destroy it completely wow but Hashem says look that's not the way i want it done like yes there's a there's a right way to do things there's there's truth Right, but there's also this idea of love. There's also this idea of 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 seeing seeing the best in people, and so they spent some time in the cave studying Torah, and they came out, and then they have, you know, this this like destruction. His son is destroying things. Rabbi uh, Yochai is is healing things, and so there's this there's this process is moving in the right direction, right? Right. But. Really, it doesn't. It doesn't mention anything uh, about them being appeased until this man comes with two bundles of myrtles, <laughs> and it's just it's just interesting because at first they're like, you know, I see this guy come with two bundles of, of myrtles, and they're like, what's going on? Why would he come up with two bundles of myrtles? What would one be enough? You know, mm-hmm. is it is it my perspective the best? Right?
0: Yeah, that's I mean, exactly it what is it is.
1: Don't I hold truth? And they, they both look at these things as the same thing. They look okay, at that's a myrtle. That's a myrtle. They're both useless. What function does it have? In fact, it would be better if you just had one of them, because two, like, what's the point? Hmm. You know, they had that mentality, and that's why they destroyed literally everything that they saw. They fixed their gaze upon. And, But what 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 healed their vision? What changed the way they really looked at it? And that's when they ask the question. Mm. See, before they went out into the field and they saw something they didn't agree with, they saw something that rubbed them the wrong way, and they destroy. They decide to literally burn it down in their thoughts, in their their their, their speech, and their action. And this is what we tend to do as people. You know, when we see something we don't agree with right off the bat, whether we understand it or not, we tend to burn it down in our thoughts, or speech, or action until. Literally, we've, we've caused destruction and division. And at, at that point, we might as well just, you know, throw the Torah away, special shalom. Because in order to get the Torah, we have to be unified. Mate. Right? Mate. And so if we're, if we're looking at things through, and it says it's, our, it's our way or the highway kind of deal, we're going to only cause destruction. And so how do they heal this aspect? It's when they ask the man the question, what is this for? Like, I don't understand anything you're doing. Instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to laser beam you to the ground. They said, I don't understand anything you're doing. And what does he tell them? He says, he says one is for to remember Zakor and one is for Shemur, to guard. Wow. Right? And so at, at this point, this is kind of where this, this idea they, they start to see themselves in the bundles.
0: Oh.
1: Right? Because yeah. at first they saw it the exact same way. These are both just two branches of, my, to, of Myrtle. And what happened when they first exited the cave? They both laser beam things to the ground. Yep. Right? And now, they see it because they ask the question, he says, hey, there's two different things. Zakora a core remembrance, and why were they laser-beaming stuff to the ground to begin with? Because the people didn't remember why they were putting this earth for. Right? Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is his son, right? Rabbi so, uh, Shimon Bar Yochai's son, who's like, zakor. he's seen himself in this. And then, you know, you have the second story where everything that was destroyed, uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai started healing. And this is like guarding. This is the guarding aspect. Like yes. protecting it, restoring it, yes. keeping it. And so they start to see themselves in these two bundles. But what's interesting is they no longer see, hey, there's these two two same bundles serving two opposite purposes that's completely useless. They start seeing it as two functions, two different entities working together to achieve the same thing, which is abiding in Shabbat, abiding in the rest of God. <clears throat> that's and, legit. And then it says, it's only at that point that they says they were appeased, I I, like, a.k.a. they were at Shalom. And if we really we really take the root of why we find issues and, and things or people or ideas or, or whatever, uh, it's really because, like, there's a phrase that we use, it rubs us the wrong way, right? We have this distortion, of, like, there's an there's unsettled feeling in us, and we have to act. And a lot of times we jump the gun and we just start burning things down and how we see it. Then we start burning things down in our speech about it. Then it comes into action. There's division and it's horrible. Wow. And so the way to heal that, instead of just burning things to the ground, you know, ask a question. What, What do you, what do you mean by that? Or, okay, can you kind of explain this a little bit more? Wow. You know, and, and it was through that. And then the man replied, And it says they were appeased, i.e. they were at shalom. And so if you're not at shalom shalom with something, if something's bugging you, it's, it's grinding you, then the way to get there is simply ask a question. It's simply eat humble pie and understand that, like, I don't have it all figured out. You don't have it all figured out. No one has it all figured out because no one's God. No one's Mashiach. That's right. And so a lot of times we, we want to think, hey, we are the sole progenitor of truth. But here's Shimei Bayochai, Bar Yochai, literally the one whose sole occupation towards the father's was Torah study. And yet, like, here's this, this simple farmer who comes by and he shows him something. Like David says, learn from every man. Come I learn from every man. Come on. You know, and, and if we do that, once we ask the question, we start seeing ourselves and other people, we start seeing that, you know, the reasons why they do this and whether actions are wrong or right, you know, yes, we're there to elevate people and, and help them uh, find do what's right, right? That's the aspect of truth we have to have. But there's also the aspect of why people do what they do is inherently the same, you know? We're all—we're all—, we're all trying to to find this shalom we're all trying to you know uh understand god wow you know and here's this guy and and you know a lot of times when we just simply ask the question we see that hey their intentions weren't necessarily bad you know and and this is the mitzvah this is what it means to to love someone else like ourselves why does it say like ourselves you know right. and it's this idea of it's like this this paradox like with ourselves, we know that we're not perfect if we are honest with ourselves. <laughs> and we you know we, we see our imperfections every single day, but we don't burn ourselves to the ground. We say we still feed ourselves, we still get up in the morning, we still go to work, you know We still we, we try to better ourselves. You know we don't we don't if say we do something and we fall short one day, whatever maybe we get angry, lose our temper or You know, we we get really sad or or whatever the case may be or we miss a prayer. You know, we don't we don't say that, you know, this is what defines us. We say, you know, I'm still a good person. You know, wow. and to love and why we do that is because we know our thoughts behind it. You know, say say the person who who run say you run into shul because you're trying to make the prayers, you know, the doors closing. you know, whatever. And just one example. And on the way, you, you accidentally nick, nick somebody with your shoulder, and it pushes them, right? But you don't even notice it, right? Your thought, you know, you later hear about this, and this person's angry with you. This is just a random example, you know? You know, the person's angry with you, but you're like, hey, it wasn't a bad person. I was just, I wasn't, I didn't even know I did that. You know, I was just focused on saying my prayers. Wow. You know, but the other person, he doesn't know your thoughts. Wow. He has no idea what your thoughts are. All he knows is there's just a guy who shoved me to the wall. Mm. And so, how do, the reason we love ourselves is because we know our, to the most part, we know our thoughts. We know our our motivations for doing something. And other people, they don't. And so, the way to reconcile this, the way to love each other as we love ourselves is simply we can't. We're not mind readers. It's simply to ask a question. You know, if we're unsettled about something, ask a question. Get to know the other person's thought, what was going through them at the time, what was their uh, dynamics of going on, what was going on through, through their mind, what was going on through their life. And through this, we know the whole picture. And through this, we see that person as ourself. We literally see ourselves and the other person as a struggling human being with all these thoughts, all these struggles going on. And we're able to have a starting point where we can build up from there, you know, and we could, we could correct the misunderstanding and build together.
0: You mean like become the Holy temple?
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. You know, and, and that, that is really how we're going to achieve Shalom. You know, Yep. you know, this, this is the whole who makes peace in his heights, fire and water, two opposite aspects you know, uh, that's, that's what goes on in an argument. There's, there's two opposite aspects, two ways of seeing things. And, and it's just like what this guy said, these, these bundles aren't the same. You know, that one represents this, one is this aspect, one is this aspect, and they're both achieving the same purpose. And so this is, this is like something we need to internalize about, you know, Lagla Omer or Lagla Omer, you know.
0: And the final redemption. I mean, you pretty much just elucidated it. This mm-hmm. is this is literally our part. This is how we bring the final redemption is through this. Because when we do understand this depth and this intensity, we become the third and final temple. And yes. the third and final temple is going to reflect the people who will inhabit it. Wow, Shaul just brought that down in the Second Corinthians fifteen one passage. Our bodies now and post resurrection is the Mishkan and the final temple. Like it's a reflection. We have to see ourselves in the temple and see the temple in us.
1: Man, that's a great That's that's amazing. You know, it's just it's just perspective. You know, and this is. This is literally how we redeem our Jewish brother, you know, from from a non-Jew, and the and the non-Jew, like this, this is like our our negative thoughts. This is the exile, you know. Yeah. And and so this is how we do it. We we've got to have this this higher perspective, and we got to be willing to to go into the world and ask what's going on, you know. Yeah. And. and and through this, we can actually, if we're willing to do that, we can actually redeem each other and and redeem Mashiach.
0: Wow! I just but wanted to then, sing, man. man. <laughs> just, what's that? Just, I just wanted to sing this because I know, like, because we've said some key statements that mm-hmm. you, you may have think we missed, but we didn't. Like one of them is, "Hey, what's going on?" Hey, what's going on? And the other one? say Shalom bin Roma. Ooh, yes. Shalom. Yeah. So, yeah, we got it. We got it. Amen. Well, you know, the timer went off like 15 hours ago, but oh, yeah. I'm not complaining. <laughs> the, the love of <laughs> your neighbor as you love yourself, bro, like, that's Mount Everest on top of Mount Everest epic. Okay? I don't know how you picked up the first mountain, but somehow you made it stack on top of itself and climbed it and planted a flag on it. That right there is that was amazing. So so that for to you for that beauty. That beautiful drop. Man. All right, practical
1: takeaways. Practical takeaways. You wanna start us off? Yes.
0: Um I just wanna say that. Uh, I did kind of glimpse at the, the little passage, uh, in Acts that talked about Shaul being beaten and left outside of the city and, uh, the Lystra and Derby, uh, incident. And the passage is chalked full of, and Jews came to preach against him and to incite the people to all sorts of, uh, chaos and, um, Riot and and violence, for lack of a better term. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is we're talking about healing Mashiach and how we have to heal ourselves. We have to understand the thoughts of one another, love our neighbors, love ourselves. You know, redeem our brother, redeem from the from the non Jew. And I'm looking at this story and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is like prime example right here. Why in the world will we shut down the gospel going out into the four corners of the world? If you're going to shut the gospel down, you will delay the redemption. You will make judgment like that much more harsher. You will snuff out the light of God and suppress it that much more. It's no coincidence that we have, quote unquote, three or more genders It's no coincidence that people are confused whether I should marry a man or a woman. It's no coincidence that, well, you know, I'm not sure I really want this child, so I'm just going to get rid of it. I'm going to abort it. I'm going to kill it. Like, I'm going to murder this child like I would murder a human person, except they're a little person, so it's not really that much of a person. So it's totally fine. I can do this legally, you know, like why is any of this an actual reality well it's because we haven't loved our neighbors we loved ourselves we haven't perpetuated the light of hashem in the world we've suppressed it and the the big thing that i take home from what you elucidated from that ask questions to people that were put out with okay not the what is wrong with you why are you irritating me question but hey i was just wondering because such and such thing happened and i wasn't really sure how to respond or how to take it i took it in a bad way i will admit but I just want to know, you know, could you kind of elucidate and give me a little bit more of what was, what was going on, you know, just hey, what's going on, like literally, you know, yeah. Um, yeah so I mean, I think that's absolutely incredible because we we have such a perspective, so much, and we never forget about the perspective we give ourselves and how much that we let ourselves pass you know, and it's just like, so if we could all do this, man, like, if we don't get a temple, we will be the temple, and I pray this, bracha, uh intentionally and fervently as possible, after we do our corporate Shemone Yisrei on Shabbat, that Hashem would build us up into It's build us up as living stones into his spiritual temple. And you may or may not have picked up on the subtle um, transition that I mean, it was subtle to me that I'm now praying that as we're living stones built up, that we're saturated with the light of the Shekinah, that the light of the lamb shines through us as we're those that built up edifice, you know, the spiritual temple. And it's interesting because how are we going to be saturated with the light of the Shekinah? How is the light of the Lamb going to shine forth from these living stones? How is the showbread of Mashiach Yeshua lifted? How is the the fragrant aroma of the Keturit upon Hashem's Mizbeach, going to go out? Well, I tell you, it's not going to go out if we're not loving our neighbor, if we love ourselves. So... May we do that and may we truly bring the manifestation of the final redemption. Let's take healing Mashiach and bringing Mashiach and manifesting Hashem to a whole nother level starting yesterday and take the Kedusha that's coming down tomorrow night as of this podcast for Lagba Omer and Mm -hmm. let's truly be the lapid bonfire that Hashem has Anointed us and has made us.
1: Amen. Oh, has beautiful, beautiful prayer. Amen. I you know, yeah, and, and you, you also mentioned uh, Acts five, correct? Uh,
0: well, I mean, I, was I it was, Acts five? The the Lystra and Derby is Acts fourteen, but you know, Acts five, you can drop that.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. What was the verse you're quoting? Quoting from?
0: For which one?
1: You you mentioned early when you, you started your practical takeaways.
0: Oh, I said I was glancing at the uh, the account of uh, Shaul being beaten and left outside mm-hmm. the city. That's in uh, Acts chapter 14 and okay. around verse
1: 19. Okay, I was thinking of something, but I, it, it still compares. Just a little side note that, you know, anytime you look at the persecution of, you know, where it's translated apostles, Talmudin, Meshua, whatever, um, it's always at the hands of the Sadducees. Oh! You know, you what? mentioned, and to support this, you have Acts 5, where it's literally saying, oh. it says the, the high priest, the Kohen who was the Sadducee, oh. you know, and he said this, and then Kepha later says, you know, says the God of our father raised up It says the rock, sorry, 29, rock, and the apostles answer, we must obey God rather than men. Uh, You know, the God of our fathers raised up Yeshua, whom you killed hanging on a tree. And so he's talking about, he's not talking to the Pharisees, he's talking to a Sadducee. And so they were the ones who were responsible for his execution and everything else. Uh, Also, it says we should obey God rather than men. Right, because the Sadducees did not believe in the oral Torah, and therefore they made up their own rulings on how the Torah should be interpreted, rather than the one given at Sinai. And therefore, obeying them is not the Pharisees, but obeying them is obeying the doctrines of men. Bro. But, you had, after this incident, and many other incidents, you had Rabbi Gamaliel come, who was a Pharisee, it mentioned that in the text, come to the defense. And so, literally, like he was one of, one of the, the main players when you talk about discussion in the Talmud. Like a lot of the Talmuds, the rabbis, all Khazal just discussing and and debating topics. And he's one of them. And so literally this is just a support, like when you're reading the, like Talmud, the Oral Law, you know, Mishnah, like in the in the Gemara of the Talmud, you're literally reading the words of men who stood up for the believers in Yeshua. <laughs> they literally stood up for them. They 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 thought the Romans the, the Sadducees handing them over the Romans like was a horrible idea. They said it was a, like it was a repulsive act, and so later, you know, you see them every time in the Book of Acts. They come to their defense. That's not this. The Pharisees hurting them. It's the Pharisees defending them against who? The Sadducees. Sadducees. So, yes.
0: So this and is so just why a little we side note. This is why we don't generalize and say those Jews or the Jews. Yes.
1: And it also it's also why that pretty much every mention of uh, Yeshua of Nazareth is not Yeshua of Nazareth not only is it the same time period but it doesn't fit the bill as opposed to how the Pharisees viewed Yeshua or as Talmudim they viewed them as people who were persecuted for unjust reasons and they defended them to the T
0: the writers and commenters of the oral Torah stood up for believers and followers of Yeshua
1: yes so this is a side note, since you brought up this whole persecution uh, that Boy. was laid down in Acts.
0: I'm, I'm going to go in the kitchen and rip down every cabinet that I have just to feel better. Mazel's going to kill me, but that's fine.
1: Shalom B'ayi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, that was amazing. Yeah.
1: Man, that doesn't count as one well with my practical takeaways, though. So. That will no. not be
0: your no. count, okay? You can go <laughs> that's, with your practical add-on.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, uh, just stand by you. It's Achieving love your fellow man, is as simple as it has to be as it, as it? you make it. You know, just be kind to people. You know, Baal uh, Shem says, if you have, uh, you know, or Haastu in general says, if you have a trouble talking bad about people, then the simple way to fix that is just don't mention anybody in your conversation. Ooh, You know, when you talk to somebody, you know, just talk to that person. Why do you got to bring out someone else who's not there? You know, whether it's good or bad, you know, because you never know where the congregation might, conversation might go. Um, so if you're worried, if you want to put a fence around it, that's one practical application. Um, just Just ask questions. If you don't understand something, it's not the time to just, you know, burn down the whole village. Like mm. you know, the original counter or story time. Just ask questions, understand, learn, seek to understand people and where they're at and what they're going through and their thought processes. Um, oh, Amen. Uh, also, if you want to also guard yourself from this idea of this this whole ideology of my interpretations, right? You know, yours yours is wrong. It's all about me. I don't want to hear anything you say. Then one of my best advice is get rid of facebook oh so it's still not there you know i can't tell you what to do but i will say my life has been a hundred thousand times better as far as time wise my mental health emotional health whatever it's just it's just better it's like i can do so much more things with my life and all my my energies and thoughts can go into the important things of life you know
0: Hey, and I'll, so on I'll Facebook say, I'll say I agree with that because I, I mean, I went back to MySpace and life is beautiful because ain't nobody on MySpace.
1: <laughs> ain't nobody on MySpace but me. <laughs> <not explaining>. <laughs> <Call> <laughs> That's me the Space. thing, you know, it's called MySpace, it's <laughs> called Facebook for a reason because it's all about people. And so you're not really going to minister to anyone on Facebook. Let's just get that straight because oh. the mentality of that platform is it's all about me. Here's my life. Look at it. It's not about, the share is simply something so that that person gets likes or you get likes. So the whole heart is wrong. It's all ego. And that's why, that's why, you know, no matter what your intentions are, oh, I'm, you know, it's like, I'm going to bring truth to this person. Well, that's what Rabbi, you know, Shmone Bar Yochai did when he burnt the whole village down. Good. You know, if you want to encourage arrogance, broken communication division, then stay on Facebook. If you want to your life to be better and filled with Shalom and other people's life to be full with Shalom, then delete it. Um, if you, if you want to, you know, stay tuned for always Allah because I know he does that Facebook Live in some cases, correct? Yes. You know? That is he deep. does it on Anchor, too. Whoa. So save yourself the hassle. Get on Anchor. Cool. You know? And listen <laughs> to it there. Wow. Um, as but, violent as I
0: well, was, I support that. <laughs>
1: yes. It's just, just testimonials for me you know, met myself about how much your life is going to be better.
0: Yeah. You just know. Join me on my face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to encourage another social platform, but no, I don't even have funny. my space, Just pointing that out.
0: But. I know. I
1: know. <laughs> um, but the last point is, you know, as this question arises, maybe you haven't heard of Logba Omer until today or whatever. And so there's this, this general question of, you know, okay, well, should I, should I do it? You know, and you know, here's the deal when this is my perspective and I, I you know, from my studying, little studying, you know, whenever I've, I've done, uh, ev- like, you know, Yeshua says he's, he's the Torah. He says he's the way, you know, he is, he is the truth. And so you literally take that a little meaning. That means like following, like walking like him, right. Walking like him, who is the Torah. We have a word for that in Hebrew. It's called halakha. It's like to walk out, mm. right? And so every aspect of halakha that that you do, you're you're abiding in Him. You're abiding in the way He walked out His life, uh, and literally every custom halakha aspect of Judaism, there's it it it, it hints to Him. And so you okay. What about Logba Omer? Well, okay. Well, how about this? We talked about the whole idea of of loving, loving someone as yourself. But there's also this idea that Logba Omer is the 33-day, right? Right. And Rabbi Shor, uh, Shimon Bar Yochai, literally through, like, this is the day of his death as well as the 24,000. And through his teachings and through his life, he made it to Kun for the sin, division, and death of, of that group of people. Wow. And this is on the 33rd day. It mm. says in the... Uh, Basora. that Yeshua started his ministry, it says he was around the age 30, yep. right? Lasts about three years. And so the idea of when he actually died, according to most people, is around 33. That's right. And so just this whole idea and the whole stuff, we're, we're talking about refining our character. And through this day was the day that all Shimon Barokai's teachings accumulated to bring a rectification, a tachun for, you know, this group of people. And through Mashiach's death, when he was thirty-three, you know, it brought us to, him for, to him for the world through our division, through our sin, you know, through death itself. And so, you oh, know, every custom you pick 33. up, <laughs> thirty-three for thirty-three, every custom you pick up, every every you pick up, you're redeeming the image of Mashiach, and you're 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 living as as he lived, and adopting more of his worldviews, you know. Wow. Or at the least or at least you're getting out of, you know, the views of this exile and the views of Edom and Christianity. Oh, Amen. So for that, you know, everything you can do, you should do, you know, if that's just studying you about it first, you know, that's that, or looking up customs stuff to do, then that's that as well.
0: Well, I love the fact that I mean just looking at the log Omer as the thirty three years of Mashiach you know, and looking at his death, bringing the reconciliation, you know. So, I mean, for what it's worth, a Lapid custom for Lagba Omer could be, you know, the tacoon of Mashiach that he brought, you know.
1: Man, yeah, there's, there's so much. It'd be, it'd be amazing to, you know, yeah. to loose the air on that if we had the time, you know. Right. But.
0: But. It's Barucha Babashem Adonai Todar Rabbah. We're ready for the temple and thankful for this Haftarah. That's what's up.
1: Amen. Me too.
0: Well, bless you, Habibi. Todar Rabbah for your insights. And let's say our closing bracha.
1: Amen. Todar Rabbah for yours.
0: Amen. Barucha Baruch Babakasha. Barucha Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam Zur Ko HaOlamim Zadik Beko Hadorot. Ha el ha neeman, ha omer ve ose, ham daber um kayem, shekol debarav emet vazedek, neeman atahu adonai Eloheinu, ve ne emanim, or debareka d- ve echad, mid achor, lo yashuv rekam ki el melek neeman verakaman atah. Baruch atah Adonai Ha'el Shmo. Ha'ne'eman Be'kol Devarav B'zikuth Mashiach Yeshua Amen Amen Well this is Shomerin and Hasiz saying Shalom and Shavua Tov Many blessings and continue to count your Omer Amen Shalom